Welcome to Broads, Books, and Booze. This is your host, Jamie. And Monica. Hello, hello. Hello, friends. So this month we are going with a National Book Award winning book called Eat, Drink, Vote, written by Marianne Nestle, which um, I thought it was pretty interesting that she talks about, like, I'm not associated with the Nestle's. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, she's written uh, several other books that talk about food politics, but uh, I liked this one uh, because I, I liked all the comics. Yes, it was super interesting the way that this book is laid out, and it takes a really dense topic like politics and food that everybody gets really up in arms about, and it makes it a little, little lighter, I guess, with the comics. Yeah, it was very quick to go through it, and I think it's because, like, you're like, oh, I'm reading the comics, and, like, and then her little blurb about the comics, you're just, like, flying through the chapters, and, like, it's a pretty short book. Um, this is, says, with the uh, index, it's, like, $197, 197 pages. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's less than 200 pages and it goes by really quickly in an interesting engaging way where you're still learning a lot of information so I thought it was fantastic I did too I was unable to find any book club discussion questions so you're just going to listen to us ramble about the book <laughs> I'm sorry listeners enjoy our rambling and musings yes we like to do that on or <laughs> off air <laughs> <laughs> So the first chapter was the American food system from farm to table. I think one of the interesting things I wrote down from this chapter was um, about farm subsidies. Oh, yeah. And how a lot of the farm subsidies you imagine that the government is like bailing out these little farms, but no. No, it doesn't go to farmers at all. No, like these are like big businessmen who don't even who live in cities, who just, who aren't even on the, on the farms. Probably never been to one. Right. And that's what this kind of money goes to. And it was, honestly, I feel very naive. That was very shocking to me. Oh, yeah. Um, well, because media portrays farmers and where our food come from as from small family owned farms like even if you go to like martin's the grocery aisle the produce aisle it's like painted farmland above the produce and um i think that might be so similar stuff at the ymca that i've seen like so our our society doesn't tell us the truth yeah yeah it was th that was just so surprising to me and um, also that a lot of our corn that we grow goes for ethanol for the gasoline. I didn't know that either. I think some of that has stopped, but oh, yeah. really? Yeah. A, a lot of it was used for ethanol. Yeah. I think that, uh, that initiative, they realized, oh, Hey, guess what? It takes a lot of fossil fuels to grow corn. <gasps> this isn't efficient. Ah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, because we used to have the ethanol plant across the state line. 
and that that's not an operation anymore. Oh, okay. I didn't know that either, and I live here. See, I'm really <laughs> out of touch with, like, a lot of these earthly things. I'm like, wait, what's going on? <laughs> we need to make you a better hippie, Monica. I oh. guess so. I'm kidding. But, yeah, I mean, I don't, I didn't realize, and I think maybe a lot of other people also don't realize that, a lot of the farms that their food comes from is nothing at all like a farm that you imagine. No, absolutely not. Yeah. Especially the CAFOs. They're they're disgusting and gross and horrifying. And if people if more people realize that's where their meat comes from, they would choose not to eat meat from there. I am constantly validated by my choice to not eat meat. And actually, um I I have considered becoming vegan again like I was in the past just because of some of the things that I've been learning. Like, for example, that You Are What You Eat is real popular on Netflix now where they is a documentary where they studied twins, one on an omnivore diet and one on a vegan diet. Okay. Um, so it talked a little bit about some of those factory-type farms, and I was like, oh, Lord. <laughs> there are a lot of them here in Michigan. And they are not good for the environment. Yeah. And I used to follow a website that had a map of everyone. And then it would have like um, like a little red dot. So if your county had so many of them, your county was like all red. Mm. Um, but there there are some near us. Oh, and I did, I did just want to say I'm not like real judgy. Like I cook meat for my family because they choose to eat meat. Which is more than... Um, most people would do yeah i just can't i just can't do it and after i mean it's been probably close to 15 years now like i can't it doesn't even it's not even food to me anymore so do you hear that listeners monica prepares me she refuses to eat because she loves her family more than they deserve <laughs> i love it <laughs> I think you might be right. <laughs> Most vegetarians I know would not do that. Yeah. I would say all the other vegetarians I know would not do that. So <laughs> kudos to you for taking care of your family and giving them what they want. Little brats. <laughs> Those brats, indeed. Uh, so the second chapter is about hunger, of which I found interesting. So, like, we live in a community where over 80% of the families in our community are on um, underneath the poverty guidelines for the government, which is very, very low amount of money to be able to meet that because I was shocked at what they consider the pro poverty line. Yeah. I mean, it, the poverty line, you're, you can't support yourself or a family. There's no way. I don't even know how people are living yeah. in homes in our city, in, in being on the poverty line, it just, it blew my mind. So because of that, our school system um, provides free breakfast and free lunch for all students in the school district. So I, I've read a lot about food because food's important to me. And the food politics is one thing that's important to me. So I try to stay informed with it. And I have read a lot that students that aren't in school are not eating mm. and for some students the only meals they get are the meals they get at school which is why michigan does um 
a summer lunch program because they realize, they acknowledge that those students will not get fed during mm. the summers if they don't do something. The problem with that, though, was like, my kids stay home all the summer, I'm working. They didn't have access to go and get a free lunch. Right. Which was, you know, I have a better position financially right now, but for a while, that would have been a godsend for me to be able to, like, even if the kids don't want to eat it. Like, if you eat something, if you eat some of it, like, some of it would help me out. Because boys just eat so much. Oh, my gosh. I know. It's crazy. My child just ate half a pan of lasagna for dinner. I was <laughs> like... It must be a growth spurt. <laughs> I was like, oh, no. <laughs> I know. I remember my kids would go to, like, the summer park programs. Right. And they would... Um, they always fed them lunch there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and we, I, I relied on programs like that because, like, we didn't have the summer parks programs anymore when my kids were little. They had another program, but it was, it wasn't the whole summer, but it was so much more reasonable. It was, like, $50 a week for both the kids to go to it. Yeah. And uh, I was like, yes, please, clamor. I'm like, this, this makes my life more manageable. So, <clears throat> And I could claim all that $50 back from my taxes, so I didn't have to, like, use it as real income. So it was it was a real win-win for me. And I think the food that they're giving the kids at the schools and um, at these programs has improved some, maybe even since the writing of this book. Um, I know it talked a little bit about probably what we remember when we went to school, like how they make the burgers out of all the... The, the pink, pink slime, yeah, yeah. that the parts of meat that they couldn't sell, they just kind of ground up, and that's what school lunches was because they, you know, like any government entity, they they take the lowest bidder, so they're not necessarily eating things that are good for them. But I think that that is improving. Yeah, Michelle Obama did a lot of work. She really did, and. She did help improve school lunches, and she had no idea. This book was written in uh, 2013, so I was yeah. just looking that up to, to give you, like, that context. Like, yeah, it's changed a lot in the last 11 yeah. years. She I think had, with the Obamas, they had that, like, it was the plate, not the food pyramid kind right. of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But she thought, you know, oh, school lunch, you know, this will be, you know, a no-brainer of something for me to do as first lady. And then she had no idea, no idea how big food lobbyists and the food industry was and how they were, like, really angry and pushed back against her for it. So kudos to her. Yeah, I mean, the corporations that donate to political parties and the lobbying that goes on, um, it's, it's really made food very confusing for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Speaking of like the food pyramid and you can't say things like, you know, don't eat a lot of meat. It has to be like, don't eat a lot of saturated fats or like whatever. Right. They change they the it language a, to they make it macronutrients instead of like something that consumers can understand and easily follow. Right. Because, you know, they don't want. The government saying, oh, meat's bad for you, or this is bad for you, or that's bad for you. But, yeah, it's it's insidious. It Doesn't it feel kind of that way? Very much so. Yeah. Very much so. There is, there is a whole thing about sugar 
that drove me crazy. I think there's a whole movie on Netflix about that. I highly <laughs> recommend watching that one. Yeah. So in chapter, that leads us to chapter three where it talks about obesity and what to do about it. And I loved this chapter because it talks about how, oh, your weight is your personal feeling. It's because of you. I'm like, no, I am a single individual consumer fighting against multi-million dollar corporations that market yeah. everything they can against me because they want me to spend money on their products. That's not an even playing field. That's not fair right. for me to choose between buying a bag of apples versus a bag of candied apples, you know? And also because the junk food, like we were talking about earlier, with people who maybe don't have quite enough money to spend on all the groceries that they could want, you know, if you're choosing to get more for your dollar, you're going to the store and you're stocking up on things that are going to fill you up. You're going to get carbs. You're going to get lots of potatoes and bread and, you know, maybe even convenience food. If you're working a lot, you're getting a lot of like frozen foods. And, you know, there's a huge difference. I mean, I always joke that I'm like middle lower class. <laughs> <laughs> so like I'm Very definitely true. not going to go hungry by any means. But there are times where, you know, stuff comes up. Maybe I had to take some time off work and that check is a little lighter than the others. So there are certain things I fall back on buying that I know are not a healthy choice. But the healthy choices are are not as available when you're working on a tight budget. Those convenience meals are subsidized by the government. Yeah. Yeah, and they're marketed to busy working moms who mm -hmm. are stressed and just want to put dinner on the table and then relax. Right. Because, you know, it's really hard to be mom and work a full-time job. And even when I am cooking, you know, on those types of weeks, I'm making things like grilled cheese and soup. You know, I'm not making homemade soup. I'm warming up soup and I'm using processed cheese and bread and like, you know, instinctually you know these are not the best choices but you are kind of fighting like you said an uneven playing field yeah for sure back when it was normal for women to not work mm. it was a lot easier for them to prepare meals with basic ingredients i've said that for a long time i don't care who stays home but if there's nobody staying at home taking care of the house, you know, expecting everything to be perfect is just, you might as well just shoot yourself in the foot. Yeah, it's very <laughs> unrealistic. Yeah. I acknowledge that my house is not the cleanest. And I clean my house like twice a month. And that's when I have people come over to my house. Hi, Monica. Hi. <laughs> oh. Your house is never a mess, I swear. <laughs> You have boys. They have a lot of things. They do. <laughs> they have so many things. Yeah. I can't I can't wait until I have the house to myself and I'm like, I'll have nothing in this house. Minimalist. <laughs> I'll have chairs for my friends to sit at and that's it. <laughs> yeah, I hear you there. You know, I did find that some of the cartoons in that chapter, which she had mentioned they might, were a little off putting. Um, oh, some of yeah. them were a little harsh, I thought, and mean-spirited, um, but... Definitely, but that gets people's attention. Right. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. 
our favorite one uh, featured our one of our favorite authors. <laughs> I sent you that picture. Yeah. And when I got to it, I was like, ha, 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 ha. Yeah, it's Michael <laughs> Pollan. I can't remember what the actual cartoon was about, but. Uh, it was something about, like, uh, GMOs are okay. Yeah. <laughs> And they're, like, torturing him or something. Yeah, he's like, yeah, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, so um, we don't have to go through, like, each chapter by chapter. But, you know, uh, one of the other things that I really liked about the book was the chapter on um, marketing to kids. Oh, my gosh. I made some notes about that, too. Yeah. Um, it's terrible, especially with the junk food and the pop and the fast food and the toys and the cereal and the mm -hmm. toys and the happy meal and yeah directly marketing to kids um making them brand loyal for when they can make their own choices and being and for them to acknowledge oh you know what kids do have a say in what they eat and drink yeah and telling them that they have a bigger voice that they don't have to listen to their parents and parents, you know, if you're trying to, I remember I worked with a woman, um, and her kids were not allowed to eat McDonald's. They never ate McDonald's. Right. And at the time, you know, this was before I was a vegetarian and I was like, Oh, I bet the other kids make fun of them. You know what I mean? Like I felt sorry for them because that would be hard. Like if your kids, if you can't do this thing that all the other kids do, you know, it does make them a little different, even yeah. though it is good for them. Right. I have your best interest at heart. Right. Don't believe everything, everybody else is being fed. It's a bunch of lies. That's really hard to stand up against, yeah. especially um, once they get to middle school. Right. Right. So, like, it's almost like if you want to fit in, you have to make all these bad decisions like everybody else does. Um, and, and it goes to everything down to what food you eat and the pop especially is what makes me crazy. Um, you can tell we are in the Midwest because it is pop. It is not soda or soda pop. Uh, <laughs> right. If I could eliminate one thing off the planet, I think it would be that. And especially diet with the artificial sweeteners. And I still... Like, I'll still have a root beer occasionally when I'm having pizza or something. But when you, like, when you have to drink it every day long, which I know a lot of people are like that, it's so hurtful for your body. Right. And now we currently also have a lot of energy drinks mm -hmm. that weren't nearly as prevalent on the market when this book was written. Yeah. And those, I feel like have to be bad for you too especially with the kids and it makes their heart beat faster and yeah can't be good no i don't definitely not yeah being a human being is hard i think that should be the overrunning theme of all of our years of podcasting <laughs> yeah, life sucks it's yeah. hard so uh we, we next talk about alcohol boozy, boozy, booze. yeah <laughs> this is a wonderful drink that jamie made it's just a classic, old-fashioned. But with a little gratidine in it. Yes. And I didn't have any orange. <laughs> yes. But it is so good. Very relaxing. I love it. And it looks really pretty. And I got it in these 
crystal goblets and they're just yeah it's just very lovely yes i feel very fancy and speaking of alcohol there was a part in the book that said nine percent of men and four percent of women only have two to one drinks per day and i thought that can't be right and like it said um it's got to be much more people than that I would think. That seemed like a very low, low percentage. I don't know who they were asking. And I don't know. I mean, tonight I will have one drink and then I will go home. But I think most women, you know, if you get together with your friends and you're having some drinks, I would think most women would have more than one drink. So I don't know if they're just not being honest with their doctors or (laughs) this was a very limited poll. I don't know. (laughs) I think I think if you averaged it out. Oh, over I a see. month, it it would that would make that would be realistic. I see. Because like when I go to my doctor, they don't ask like, uh, like how many drinks a day do you have? Like how many drinks do you have at a time? They're more of like like how many drinks do you consume in a month? Are you a social drinker? And I just say yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. I see. Well, that makes more sense. It's like I I usually have two drinks when I go out mm-hmm. usually sometimes I'll have three yeah but like I'm at the age now if I have three drinks I just don't sleep well like I wake up in the middle of the night and I'm like I'm hot and I'm <laughs> tired but I can't sleep and this is stupid I don't like you anymore booze we're breaking up oh yeah <laughs> I should break up with booze too but again being a human is hard being a human is hard, and it's so tasty, and it lies to you. It's like, you're feeling great. You could totally have another one. And I was like, okay, I'll have another one. And I was like, ha-ha, we lied to you. You can all feel like crap. And I'm like, thanks a lot, you loser. And then I'm in bed at 9.30 at night because I'm tired. Yeah. And then up at 2.30 in the morning because booze lies to me. Yeah, that's me on my soapbox. Um, my birthday's coming up, so I'm feeling my age right now. Oh, yeah, you're not lying. Me too. <laughs> Same here. Uh, oh, and yeah, the whole food safety of who is responsible is, um, I've, I find frightening, a very frightening aspect of America. So, you can produce food. It could be con- contaminated. The government doesn't have to tell you. That you need to recall all your food. It is completely voluntary. Oh my gosh. So you have mandatory testing that you do, which is not supervised by anyone. It's You do it yourself. Mm. And then if you find something, then you, you know, it's up to you to say, hey, consumers, um, you should probably stop eating this. Yeah, that was very terrifying. Also, the part about labeling, like... Um, the Franken food thing, like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I at the time of the writing, the the GMO labeling was also voluntary, which I don't believe that's true anymore. I think it is labeled now. I, I see a lot of it, and I don't know if that's because consumers want it or if that mm-hmm. was a law. I think it was a law. I feel like I googled it after I read that part. Oh, good. But um, but this whole idea of whether it's safe or not safe. For whatever reason, like, I didn't know, like, it's not labeled, but you're eat if you eat meat, you're eating cloned animals. 
like I had never heard anything about cloned animals since the 90s and the sheep. I didn't know that was a thing we were still doing. And it, you know, they're like, well, it's me. It's fine. It's like, it's like an identical twin. You know, it's not like, but I don't know, for some reason with the GMO and the cloning and everything, like I would want to know and I wouldn't want to eat that if it were me. Or I would at least, if I chose to eat it, I would want to know about it. I don't know why. I know a lot of people don't care, but that part really bothered me. I, I, um, I, for a while said, what I wanted to do is I, if, if I was going to eat meat, I wanted to be eat meat that was more ethically sourced. So you buy organic meat and maybe it's not exactly ethical because you're buying at Costco, but <laughs> it's like a baby step. Um, I used to go to the local grocery store, the hippie place that I, I worked next to, and they had everything frozen, and I would buy from them, and it was extremely expensive. Yeah. And then I got to the point where I'm like, well, I can't afford this anymore. Right. So, yeah, you don't have a lot of choices, um, you so, know, Yeah. especially when you're feeding a family and stuff. I'm so, like, it, you know, so they should tell you. Yeah, I feel like that should be laid out. Yeah. yeah. And the labels are all very confusing with the different portion sizes. And, you know, I, and as I get older, I know everything is in a teeny tiny font. I got to take my glasses to the grocery store or I got to look at it through my camera and zoom it in. I'm like, this is stupid. But right. I have to read the labels on everything because you wouldn't believe what meat is in. So many things. Yeah. I started Weight Watchers when I was in my middle 20s. And so I started reading labels back then, and I was very surprised by labels. And then, you know, they've improved. Yeah. I would say they definitely have improved in the last five years. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, everything, I think, is at least moving forward. I hope I so. Hope. And I think that, um, like what I've learned from a lot of these documentaries I've watched on Netflix, a lot of this stuff, it'll just ring true to you. Like, um, I feel like buying local and like starting a garden, even if it's just an herb garden, you know, right. some of these things like, you know, they're going to be good for you. They just feel right when you think about doing it. And so I think that would be my best advice for everyone on food is just, you know, mm. you know, what makes sense. Yeah. So, uh, my mother was told to, to, um, start the Mediterranean diet mm. and <clears throat> it's become a very popular thing. The Mediterranean diet, right? I love Mediterranean food. I always have. Um, I, I have like a Facebook memory from like, I don't know, like six or seven years ago about the Mediterranean place and Mishawaka going there on a girl date. knowing my kids would never eat that food. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm making a dish tonight for it. And, uh, it's upstairs simmering away on my stove as we speak. And I went out to my little herb garden where it's mostly weeds. <laughs> Those are the best kind of herbs. Right. And I, I brought in some oregano and my child was like, oregano in the wintertime? I said, this stuff grows in the snow. It grows all year long. I'm like, it is out there being wild right now. It's like, <laughs> it is trying to take over the whole yard. Like, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's been a very wild winter. I can tell by how much oregano is out here. <laughs> I'm like, holy crap, Willa. 
I need to probably do something about this before my whole yard gives off this wonderful aroma every time I mow. I'm like, wow. I'm going to come over here with some snips. <laughs> yeah. And the, the chives are starting to come up too. I was like, oh, I, go, I, have, um, I have a little thing of basil that Thane's kept alive for me, which I am shocked because like I kill those little plants that you get and you just like sit in your windowsill and you pluck from. Like, they don't last in my house. Like, I have some cilantro laying next to it all dead. <laughs> but he took over this plant, and it's still alive, Yay. and it still grows basil leaves. And so I plucked some of those up for some lasagna tonight, which he ate half of. And then I was like, oh, look at some other oregano, too. Look at us being all fresh and herby. And doesn't it feel so good, and it tastes so much better? And I think once you get the addictive quality of some of these sugars and processed foods out of your system when you start to eat more fresh like that you're like oh wow this is awesome it is so um my my younger son is a bit of a foodie and a food snob i have no idea where it comes from <laughs> and uh, we make our own eggs benedict and he was he was like oh we can never eat this out again mom because like <laughs> our holiday sauce is just so good i was like it really is just so good <laughs> i'm like this is the downfall i'm like is it really a downfall though that we make it ourselves and we know what we put into it exactly and it's like very high fat and like i'm like oh you're making it with eggs and butter that's it it's like but it's delicious <laughs> i feel a lot better eating something like that that i make myself right i would agree i would 100 percent agree yeah, food is just such a, it's such a hot button topic for so many people though. Right, like evolution is totally against us. We have spent, you know, a really long time as human beings starving and just trying to find food to now going to the grocery store where you're inundated by so many products. It's insane. Yeah. Yeah. And then very smart marketing people that know how to market and make things very tasty for us where like oh you can eat more of this okay so like i have what i call a cookie stomach <laughs> and i have told people this and they don't believe me where i can eat something and be full very fulfilled and like ah oh, yes that was a delicious meal i feel full i i feel satisfied i am great and somebody like would you like a cookie and my stomach will open up a pocket <laughs> and it'll be like why, yes, I do. I'll have five. <laughs> the cookie pocket opens, and I consume all the cookies. Like, I have no serving size for cookies. Like, <laughs> cookies don't count, do they? No, like, I, if, if I open a box of Girl Scout cookies, that is one serving. I was like, I'm going to eat that sounds fair. all these cookies, right? So I, I, found a, I found an article saying, you know, as an evolutionary... Uh, adaptation if you came across high calorie foods it was pretty rare in the environment so people had this adaptation where their stomach would enlarge by like I don't know it's like 10 or 20 percent so not a lot but enough to be able to eat these high calorie foods huh. so that you could then the idea was that you could then store that as fat for when things were lean and you didn't have anything to eat. So is my body working for me 
but against me because I'm not meant to be in this micromanaged environment where I can just go to the grocery store and buy a dozen cookies whenever I want. Bodies are hard. Bodies suck. Yeah. And then, like, you get this dopamine response from eating cookies. So, oh. like, my cookie pocket is ginormous. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. It fights against me. And I have a child that bakes cookies all the time. Yes, he does do that. Yeah, he does. <laughs> he was like, he was like, I'm going to make red velvet cake cupcakes. And I was like, that's stupid. I don't like those. And he made some. And I was like, damn it, they're delicious. And he was like, see, you do like it. I said, what I don't like, I guess, is the over-artificial flavor that I can taste in the store-bought. Yeah. I'm like, so you have once again proven that you're a delicious baker and that we prefer it homemade. Yeah. And I think that's a good, a good way to wrap it up is go with your gut Eat at home as much as you can. Um, you know more than you think you do. Yeah. Michael Pollan's advice, eat food, mostly plants. Right. <laughs> does it look like food? Or does it not look like food? <laughs> right. <laughs> I guess that means you have to just at least pay attention. Yeah. Yeah. But definitely, I think, worth a, a pick up and glance over, even if you just read the comics. Definitely. So, well, thank you everyone for listening. Have a good night. Bye.